Welcome, everyone, to episode number 18. It's August 21st, 2020. 18 is a special number for me. It was my number in every sport, which I sucked at all of them, though, growing up, because Daryl Strawberry was number 18. Um, Long-suffering Met fan? Long-suffering Mets fan. The Mets have COVID, apparently. (laughs) Game was canceled last night. Yeah, and I think the Yankees series is canceled this weekend. But I I am, I don't even know if you know this, an Islanders fan, even though I didn't grow up on Long Island. And uh, they've looked pretty good. I think they're the best managed team in New York sports right now. They just uh, beat the Cavs. I was reading yesterday, Brandon. I was reading yesterday that there hasn't been one single day where every single game that was supposed to be played by Major League Baseball actually got played. I mean, I looked at the standings the, the other day, and I think the Mets were like, I don't know, they played 24, 25 games, and then there were teams that had played like eight. I, I think the St. Louis Cardinals have played like eight games or something. I could be off. Maybe it was 11, um, but that's pretty weird. Uh, anyway, Rich, you have your Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus bundle background. So I guess you're doing a promotion for Disney where you paid for this ad. This is sponsored posts. It's sponsored posts. And again, that's a reminder to anyone who wants to pay us a shitload of money. We'd be happy to plug your, your product. Or just free merch is fine as well. Okay. Should we get this started a week 18? Hold on. Uh, uh, <laughs> week 18. Yes. Episode yeah. 18. Podcast number 18. Oh so boy. we've got a, We've got a bunch of tweets, Brandon, about TikTok. Let's start with the first one, which is um, Tim Sweeney's upset about... This is not TikTok, Richard. uh, Well, Tim Sweeney's Sweeney's upset uh, who runs Epic. Epic Apple. Yeah, but but Epic's suing Apple, as we talked about last week on the podcast, and obviously it's been big news over the last week. But he seems to be going after Apple in all new ways. And so this is a tweet where he's saying... Let's try searching for Netflix on the App Store. Whoops. Netflix isn't the top result because Apple sold top result to TikTok. At least all the text is super readable, except the low contrast, white on blue, white ad label, uh, where it says the TikTok is a sponsored ad. Yeah, I think this is counterproductive to Tim Sweeney's case. This is a point. It's gotten to the point where I feel like he's just pointing out everything he can to get people against Apple and on his side. In this particular case, I, search ads are have been a thing for many, many, many years. Apple was actually late to the game. Is he against Google AdWords? I actually had tweeted that, and I think it was my least engaged post ever. I think people are afraid to you know, go against Epic on this topic because everyone obviously, unless you're Apple or Google, wants these app store fees to come down. So it's like the flip yeah, I mean, side. It's like the flip side of what Ben Thompson was saying in terms of people being afraid to talk about the app store. And now we're going the other way. No one wants to get in get in the middle of, of the mess. But I mean, it's basically how search works when you put in terms and how people pay to be at the top. I mean, that's just that's the way search works. It's called running a business. But it's also not unique to Apple in the App Store. I mean, that's sort of what's so interesting about this is not, it's not just Google charging a 30% fee, but as we have up on the screen, the consoles, PlayStation, You're talking about the platform Xbox, fee. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, every I, I mean, 30 30 percent fees have been standard for a very long time. You could go all the way back. I think the origin was in Nintendo and that was for hardware and then through um, for third parties to have their not hardware, their physical games on on the, on the Nintendo system. And from there, I mean, Xbox, Microsoft, um, Sony. it's it's a 30 percent fee and then it was picked up by apple and google who have kind of moved in concert and look the system has largely worked i think to date i understand why it can be viewed as monopolistic because it's it's basically a duopoly and and there is a tax so it's it's a tough one but again i think i think Sweeney just needs to pick his spots a little bit. Yeah, look, I just think so much of what he's arguing about are things, as Walt said, standard app store search, standard fee, 30% across the board, across whatever, not just mobile, but across all platforms. And it just, I just struggle to see like where the actual legal issue is, is when everything they seem to be complaining about seems to be the industry norm versus a one-off fee from what is, you know, being kind of called a monopolist or, you know, too powerful company yet everybody else is doing the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, there can be things construed as anti-competitive when Apple advantages its own apps over others. But that's not what we're talking about here. But uh, again, but that's not what we're talking about. Although he has pointed some stuff out like that in his railing against Apple. Okay, let's go to 5G, Walt. Yeah, the tweet that's up there for our podcast listeners is from Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, she did some some speed tests on Android phones um, to test how the 5G networks were um, for the three major operators. So this is you know the start of the big 5G war that we've talked about on this podcast before that is expected in the fourth quarter when the iPhone launches. Obviously, for Americans, the iPhone is is probably the bigger product. And a lot of the companies are gearing up for um, heavier marketing campaigns and such, but it's really about the technology um, and how your T-Mobile phone is going to work versus someone else's Verizon phone and what you will notice when that 5G icon pops up on your screen. So some people have seen, if you have AT&T, a 5GE icon pop up and maybe they noticed stronger speeds. They should have because the company was using more spectrum, but if you're a Verizon customer, you're going to have to buy a new phone and let's say you upgrade to the next iPhone and look, there's a big upgrade cycle expected because it's been lengthening for such a long period of time. And the question is going to be when that 5G icon pops up for your Verizon phone, is that speed going to be different? Is your experience going to be such that you're excited about it and when you talk to your friends about it, it's going to, it's going to drive a, a much bigger upgrade cycle. So this is the first basically journalist doing the test. I mean, I don't want to say first, but because I'm sure CNET had tested 5G or whoever, but like there's going to be a flood of these coming. I still remember when you were walking in and out of the coffee shop. Weren't you going in and out of a coffee shop seeing how it worked in behind glass? Sure, right. Exactly. So it's not the first test, right? That That was a while ago, right? So there were early tests using millimeter wave spectrum, but there's a lot of different technology components that are at play and, and different operators are going about this different ways. So there could be a differentiation in terms of how they perform. So we'll see A, how the third parties view these things and then B, how it's marketed 
by the wireless operators. But in addition to marketing 5G, look, content is going to be a big part of the of the push in the fourth quarter as well. Can I ask one question? Uh, sure. Walt? So when I get my new iPhone in November or whatever it's going to be this year, and I and I switch it on in presumably New York or maybe New Jersey or Colorado, wherever I happen to be, um, it, 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 am I going to get 5G speeds right off the bat it, pretty widely? Well, so it depends who your operator is. So well, I got say, Verizon. So if your operator is Verizon, you get the new um, 5G iPhone. At the same time, Verizon's flipping the switch on two technologies that I don't want to go into a bunch of acronyms that should increase the speed. So the speeds that you're getting, your experience should be better in many, many locations. I know Verizon in the past has gotten, and we've been the ones to criticize them because it relied on this very high band spectrum that only works right next to the cell site. But beyond that, they're doing another technological change so that for the first, whatever it is, 500,000, a million customers that are going to be on that 5G network, yes, you, you should experience better. Now, the question is, if you're having coffee somewhere with you know, your brother and if he's on T-Mobile or AT&T, you know, whose is going to be better? And that may differ based on location or the type of phone or any number of different factors. But you'll both be looking at phones if you have bought, upgraded to new ones to say 5G. If, you do, if you're not going to upgrade your phone, Brandon, then no, you will not yeah. see. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upgrade it. But um, I don't know. I remember when AT&T launched that 5G thing. And then it was, wasn't the it 5G. just fake? Yeah, wasn't that just fake? It wasn't fake. I mean, the, the customer typically um, saw an increased performance. It wasn't technically 5G, but you saw better performance. And the reality is that AT&T's numbers improved from the launch of doing that 5GE, which was adding more spectrum to the network till today. Like, so it was actually a decent strategy. And you had some people in tech land that were you know, kind of busting on them in, in the media. But the reality is it, it improved the performance for the customer and it helped results of AT&T. But look, it's going to go 5G alone. It's it, People struggle to find the killer app. And this marketing push that we're expecting in the fourth quarter when there could be an upgrade cycle, again, will probably include more than just 5G. And I think, again, we saw early signs of that this week as well. And so you want to talk about the, what they announced? Well, it was specifically Verizon doing their first change which was, you know, they had this, D plus, this Disney Plus um, one-year trial. There was concern, I'm sure, on Disney's part, but definitely on Verizon's part in terms of how many customers would churn out in a year. Was it going to take a new launch of season two of Mandalorian to keep people in that bundle to reduce churn? And in, a, excuse me, and in Disney's case, to have a lot of customers. So they basically said, okay, we're going to give you the uh, Disney Plus, plus they're going to add the bundle of, of Hulu, um, and ESPN Plus, and like T-Mobile does, it's not a one-year trial. T-Mobile pays for your Netflix, you know, on an ongoing basis for those higher-end unlimited plans. What, so, what they call on us, right? On us. So Verizon now is is doing the same thing. Why? Um, a, it helps to lower churn in a more competitive market. It gives them perhaps something to market heavily from an advertising standpoint in the fourth quarter. And I'm guessing their partner Disney probably did something on the economic side of things because there's an advantage to them to have not have all those D plus one year trial customers churn off. Right. Not to mention they probably have a good amount of churn. I mean, one of the big things about ESPN plus is that ESPN plus is a standalone, has a lot of churn. Hulu's got a good amount of churn. And so putting these bundles or doing these bundles of products, not to mention 
bundling their triple play into Verizon's product just lowers churn. And that's a big issue for all of these companies is, is trying to bring down churn. And look, the risk that they faced is whatever the number was, five, six, seven million um, Disney Plus customers. The risk to Disney was that the year came up and they lost 40% of those customers that Verizon was giving free service to. So this is a way- Which is Disney. a lot. How, how many customers is, is Verizon providing? I mean, our Do we have an 5 million out of the gates and it's probably grown to, what do you think, Rich? Seven, eight, something like that? Yeah, I would say high single digits. And now, now well, very meaningful. in order to- but hold on. But to get this, you know, to go from Disney Plus free one year trial to the triple play, you've still got to change rate plans, correct? Yeah, like it's, it's each never, person's never, going to have to do something. <laughs> this is this is what if John Ledger was still around would talk about a totally <laughs> carrier move as opposed to uncarrier. With with um, with T Mobile, you just kind of got it, and in Verizon, you need to go from the existing play more rate plan to a new play more rate plan. So look in that five to eight million. Um, Disney plus one year trial customers, there might be someone that actually like they signed up for it. They're getting it for free. They're not using it at all. Like they're not going to go through the hassle of going from one rate plan to another rate plan if they're not even using it. So you might just see natural churn as it is because they're just not going to automatically stick you in there. And I think, look, Verizon, I think the reason Verizon is doing that is probably to maintain, to, to um, limit the cost impact, right? They, 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 want, they don't want their, to be paying Disney for customers that aren't using the service. They want the customer to show that they're actually using it. So there still right. could be some level of ele- elevated churn as a lot of those um, D plus customers come off their, fun- their one-year trial. Right, because presumably you're only going to say, I want to go to the new Play More plan if these three services are important to you. Sure. There's no, look, you could argue the play more plan is pretty much the same. You don't have to pay more money. There's some tweaks here and there, but like people are lazy and they don't look at their bills and they're not going to do stuff unless again, they were using Disney plus and they're like, why did that go away? Oh, I need to do this to keep it fine. So they keep the users, but again, there's probably a decent number of customers in there that might not be using the product. They binge their, they binge some Avengers movie, then they haven't used it for six months. You know, there was also an interesting article in CNBC had out this week. Alex Sherman wrote it, and he talked about how the fact that over fifty percent of Verizon FiOS TV households are no longer a, a sort of attach rate. You know, was what they call it, are not yep. attaching video to their broadband service. Which sort of just speaks to like why the Verizon triple play bundle with Disney sort of makes so much sense, right? Because everyone keeps talking about, oh, you know, the consumer is not going to have more than a few services, right? Like they're going to have sort of, you know, subscription video on demand fatigue, SVOD fatigue. And I think this just shows when you get T-Mobile is giving you Netflix, Verizon's giving you the Disney triple play you're actually going to have more of these services than I think people realize. I mean, Amazon Prime is basically two-day shipping that comes with a video yeah, service. It's, it's, it, we've seen a rebundling, right? We, we always go back to this, like, hashtag but it's a different good luck form bundle. Of bundling. It, it was the old bundle. Now we have, like, the new new bundles um, that have emerged over the last few years or several years, really, with Amazon Prime. We talked about it with um, Apple's bundling strategy last uh, week. AT&T, you're AT&T and HBO. AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. A- everyone who's providing some sort of broadband service is bundling in content. And that's been seen for a while. Right. And so it takes the cost down, but the end result is we've already seen cord cutting. It's, 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 and it's good for, for the, the streamers because it lowers their churn. It's good L- for the lowers because it lowers churn. the price. 
The, yeah. the only negative is on the legacy cable network business and broadcast business where cord cutting is going to be meaningfully elevated yeah. and watch time of TV is going to keep going down at an accelerating pace. Rich, which is just, we're, we're in the post old bundle world at this point. I think we need to think past it instead. Like, and the other thing to yeah. think about is that it kind of shifts, shifts some of the control of the customer also to the wireless operator. These are their customers. Yep. At the end of a year, Verizon could, could go to, to Disney and be like, all right, guys, I'm not going to pay you. Let's say they're paying them 11 just to make up a number. I'll pay you nine now for all my customers. Oh, you don't like that? Well, maybe I'll cut a deal with Netflix and I'll churn all your customers out and I'll pay for the Netflix customers because the Verizon customer, the wireless so, customer, all they're so looking at it, this is in terms of distributors the value. Then. They're yeah. ba- it is basically going back to the MVPD world <laughs> where you had a distributor building a bundle and that and those distributors were crucial to the content networks. So what are the two critical services that you pay for as a consumer? Clearly your phone and also your broadband. Yep. So you can build bundles around es- those two things. Essentially mobile um, broadband and wired broadband. Right, which could be also something that's the same <laughs> over time. But we'll deal with that later. <laughs> okay. Direct next to topic. consumer, maybe not. So COVID, obviously, it's always hard to get away when we're talking about this uh, for, over the last few months. This is college sports. And so I think the most interesting tweet I saw this week, well, the, mo- the most outrageous was obviously the Daily Tar Heel uh, a day before they sent everyone home, put out a, uh, the, the, the newspaper of um, UNC goes, UNC has a clusterfuck on its hands. I don't think I've ever seen Glad it. we have a firm that we can actually say the word clusterfuck on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Howard, hey, look, we're, I, we're I've never Howard seen a headline Stern like Stern of research. It, <laughs> but that's a, that's a double and a triple maybe, but go on. <laughs> but when you have the athletic director of Alabama, so one of the biggest, <clears throat> one of the biggest college sports schools, Greg Byrne tweets out this week, who wants college sports this fall? Obviously not these people with a facepalm uh, emoji. We've got to do better than this for each other and our campus community. Please wear a mask with a mask emoji. Is that like that football a, player, that college football player who was saying like, oh, I don't need to be careful if we didn't have football, but football is why we should all be careful because of their very <laughs> bubbled world of everything should revolve around yeah, everyone, team? Right, everyone gives a shit about themselves yeah, okay. and what they're I mean, I, I've seen it this week, like, yeah. I'm in, in Aspen and <laughs> you're supposed to, it, it's illegal not to wear a mask. I was on a shuttle yesterday and some people, you know, just take their mask off. Like, Hey, <laughs> but Oh, now all of a sudden, because I want to play football, I'm, I'm fine partying all summer, but since I want to play football, everyone else has to wear a mask. Got it. Noted. I, they, half the country cares and half the country doesn't. We yeah. know that. But the, the issue not to not to start is getting into politics. No, but but the college sports issue here is is we're starting to see colleges send students home. Like UNC is sending students home, but they don't seem to be canceling college sports yet. And so the question is, is this the way that colleges are going to basically create their bubble? Is you get rid of the students, say COVID's too much of a problem for the students, send them home, and then keep sports going. Because well, the you sp- can. because the sports they're students also. I mean they're I mean, I guess you you can. But I don't know. Well, look, we had light shed lives earlier this year where the indication was that that wasn't going to happen. But um, dollars are meaning dollars always have an impact on people's decisions. And that's obviously a big part of it. Right. 
So we're yeah, my see, hope but I- is they just move everything to spring. By the way, did you guys see uh, what Adam Silver said about the restart of the NBA season next year? No, what? no, go ahead. Tell us. Uh, th- th- this was this. I, I read it this morning and he said December 1st is not happening. They want to push it to the point where they could get fans in seats. Right. And if it makes sense to, because that's 40% of the NBA's revenue. And I think the smart thing here is probably for the colleges is also to push it, not just for safety and student safety and all the things that we were just talking about, but also because, hey, maybe if you do it in the spring, by then there's a chance to be able to fill some of these stadiums and you could squeeze more economic juice out of the season than not. I don't understand why these colleges are fighting it. Yeah, it's, not, it's not like those fronts. stadiums are going to be used for something else that can't be balanced. I mean, they're going to get the priority, and it's not like you're not going to get the No one's using contracts. those stadiums anyway. So it, right, it, but what it, no one's talking about is what happens to college basketball. You know, we've got – that's indoors. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't, in we haven't November. gotten to that yet. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just saying, like, if you're sending students home and you can't you – can, you're struggling to do outdoor sports, imagine trying to do indoor sports. And, Brandon, yeah. I read that Michigan college is sort of basketball. big – but the Big Ten is talking about an indoor season in January or in February, which for football, which is interesting. Talking about February. Yeah, right. right I but think, they're talking I about getting like four or five arenas and doing something indoors for college football. I didn't even I didn't even read that. But it's, oh, that's my friend, brother. It's He's the Michigan guy. I wonder how things change, though. But you're right. Like if you can get let's say your, your average attendance, if you run it in the fall, is going to be 15% from a lot of zeros to maybe some 20% in, in the South. Um, in the spring, maybe it's 20% and then 40% in the South. So you get 30 or 50. Or who knows? So net plus, the t- the, does the TV, do the TV or the endorsement payments really change? Probably not. Um, Absolutely not. So you're, so net, net, like NPV dollar wise, like time wise, exactly. it means nothing. So like and what's the safety point? and safety. Right. And like, let's, I mean, if what we're hearing Fauci, Trump, whoever else about the vaccine being ready by the end of the year, I mean, at least you could prioritize students and, and colleges and perhaps, uh, which they probably maybe should be because they're breeding grounds for COVID and you could get to 60% capacity. Who knows? I, I hate the word breeding ground, but I hear you. What's wrong with that? I don't know. It's just, I, you know, it seems like a, I, I don't want to wish breeding grounds on students, but yes. I'm not, no, I'm pointing out factually right. based on the articles that you put up on the screen earlier that COVID is spreading quickly among tightly packed students. Yeah. You mean when you see pictures like this at, you know, at yeah. Syracuse University where every freshman is literally it's running. It's a, it's a bar stool photo of like a huge campus run and party uh, at Syracuse. And you've seen the same thing at lots of other schools across the country. Well, we don't barstool kind of reminds me of one thing, Portnoy <laughs> getting COVID. Well, no, it wasn't and clear he talk- had it. He, he didn't no, know if he had it. The, those are symptoms. I mean, Jess had it, right? And those symptoms were extremely consistent with what I observed. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about movie theaters because movie theaters are actually opening today. Like you see thousands of movie theaters are opening across the country today. I took one, obviously where I am, I'm up in Connecticut, uh, Southern Connecticut, and they're still closed here. But in Northern Connecticut, this is the Danbury AMC. There is actually a sold out show tonight. So the 745 show is sold out. 
I picked up in the middle of the screen, I've got the five o'clock show. And as you can see, you know, well more than it looks like 60% of the seats, if not more, are blocked out. But you do have plenty of seats sold. There's still some available in the first couple of rows, but they actually have pretty good sellout, which is showing you that there are people that want to go back to the movie theaters. This is to see Unhinged, uh, which is the Russell Crowe film that's been delayed all summer long. But then I chose the non-recliner seating. So if you look on the screen, it's the second row of Unhinged. I chose the 815. My eyes are tonight. going. I'm, I'm having trouble seeing what's going on here. It's okay, Wait. but I took, on, I took the 815 non-recliner. So the middle, the middle screen is the recliner okay. at 5 o'clock, has good sellout. Uh, the 745 recliner is totally sold out. But then I took the regular seating, so like where there's lots of seats, much more rows, et cetera. Not one ticket sold. For yeah, this Rich, you're saying you're you're saying good sellout here. Most of the seats in the theater are blocked for social distancing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I mean, I'm seeing like maybe twelve occupied seats in, the, in that <laughs> for that screen. Uh, I guess yes, I guess there's some demand, but not enough to sell out a significantly reduced capacity screen. But that could be the right. content also. It, it Content I, is king, Rich. I, I think the challenge, look, I think all of this shows is that it's going to be a very slow recovery here. There's, you know, Cuomo came out this week in New York and said movie theaters are the lowest priority because people are going to take, he's worried about people taking their masks off as soon as it gets dark and they start eating popcorn. And so there is definitely going to be a slow recovery. We think 25% or more of the country is unlikely to open up for tenant which comes out next weekend, which is the big Warner Brothers film. New York, L.A., a lot of Connecticut, all of New Jersey, um, all of those states and, and cities are closed. So it's going to be a real issue making money on these films anytime in the near future. But just like we saw with theme parks, Disney's losing money in Florida or certainly not making any money in Florida, but they just want to be open to kind of start the juices going again. Uh, movie theaters are going to try. That's some momentum. Be, yep. So I get why they're doing it. I just think it's going to be very, very hard to make money at these levels. Shall see. Okay, let's move on, on to the next. Lead us through gambling or betting, Brandon. Yeah. So Tillman Fertitta was on CNBC earlier this week, and he pointed out the difference in what's in online in iCasino um, gambler means. Uh, from, I guess I'd call it almost like an ARPU perspective <laughs> versus a sports better. And he says an online gambler is worth $700 while a sports better is worth $100. And so as, as we think about all these companies, DraftKings, uh, especially Penn, so on and so forth, who as sports betting is becoming much more popular, that may not be where the gold is at for these companies. I think iCasino, it may be perhaps be a much bigger opportunity and sports betting is a Trojan horse to iCasino where the real money's at. And but we, as we talked, we talked talk to DraftKings this. this week and it definitely sounds like the legalization of mobile iGaming or iCasino is a slower process than sports betting. Yeah, of, of, no, of, of, of course it is. Um, during that conversation, he also downplayed uh, the relative importance of iCasino versus um, online sports betting. And he's like, oh, no, we think the sports betting market's so big because the TAM is everyone who watches sports. Um, 
the evidence, as also suggested by those New Jersey results there, are not that. And part of that, part of that is with sports betting, you're, you're matching a book, right? Someone wins, someone loses. So the margins are what they are versus like if I'm doing online poker, it's just the house is going to win, right? The odds are what they are. Great point. Great right. point, Walt. I also think, remember, one of the other things we talked about is, you know, sports betting still is evolving, right? I mean, getting into simpler prop bets, in-game betting. There's a lot of in-game, evolution. In, yes, in-game betting is is huge. It's presumably the future, so yes. Right, so again, well, this say. is sort of skewed in terms of what actually it means. If we, once we get to that world, I wonder if that 100 versus guess we're in a di- Right, we're, we're in a different life cycle, uh, part of the life cycle for the different games. Yeah, I mean, look, the reality is these companies are going to do multiple things, right? DFS you know, is still going to exist. You're going to see online betting and you're going to see iGaming. There are lots of ways to win across these companies as they evolve. And, you know, I think we like to talk about FanDuel. We'll just see if it it justifies valuations that we're seeing or not. That's all. Then again, I mean, we look at this market. Well, what's Apple trading at on an earnings? A lot. Multiple now. Their free cash flow yield is down to like 3%. And I think that's lower than a lot of recurring revenue right, companies. I that remember what, didn't Apple like trade it like 12 times earnings? At one? I think they're, I think the PE multiple is like, I don't know, probably 30s, 40s, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Anyway, okay, let's go on to gaming. Uh, sorry, you know, video gaming, Brandon. Yeah, video games. Video gaming. Take, take two made, you know, it, Hold on, okay, we've been playing for, this game. We've been playing this game. We were one of the earliest no, players of we this play, game. Yes, but I, when Betaworks launched this game, it was it, it, it came out of their incubator there. Um, we were pretty into this. If I remember correctly, I was awesome, and Rich was terrible at it. Um, <laughs> but we played it. <laughs> we played it for like I don't know two months, and since then we've seen two dots come out which was the follow-up to dots and now i guess betaworks wanted an exit and 2k acquired um dots for 192 million dollars it was i think what a half cash half stock deal does it surprise you that they're buying a mobile casual game for take two i mean there's there's a couple of of things here because social point itself which is which the previous like larger acquisition that 2K made, you know, trended I think a little bit more towards midcore, and this uh, many times we think the future of mobile gaming and where the most opportunity is is in sort of hard, more hardcore, more graphically intense um, experiences. Um, but Strauss has a lot of cash on his balance sheet right now. And they are still very, very small in in mobile. And what he said is that he's gonna take a disciplined approach to acquisitions. And if they're creative, he's probably gonna do it. So I assume, I don't know what the EBITDA is here or the the earnings will be pro forma, but I assume it's, it's, um, it's pretty accretive. And I think you're gonna see a lot more acquisitions in throughout the gaming space because 
all of the major publishers, Take-Two, Activision, EA, are both very cash rich and on a gross basis, very underlevered. So it's just a matter of kind of what assets come for sale. And then obviously in the mobile space, Zynga is going crazy on a, on a roll. Well, and, and look, it's obviously, you know, the biggest beneficiary of COVID that we keep talking about has yep. been gaming. Yep. Uh, it's all parts of gaming. It's not just consoles and Fortnite. It's, you know, and we've talked about Animal Crossing, but it's these casual games that, and all forms of, of, of mobile gaming. As we've talked to Zynga and Frank and Jer, like, Gaming is just exploding. This video game category is exploding. And so the roll-up sort of seems to make sense to me that you, you want scale in this game and new growth opportunities beyond your core business. Yeah, that's, that's certainly the Zynga story. And um, yeah, I, I think that the major publishers I wonder if somebody probably rolls up want Zynga to do now. bigger deals than what they're doing. But, right. so, so does somebody roll up Zynga at some point, I guess, is the imagine, question. Yeah, you know, putting King with Zynga. Right. Who knows? Okay, Walt, you want to take us into Samsung? A little tech? Um, yeah, I figured it'd be nice to sprinkle a little technology into our weekly podcasts more and more. Technologies. Is they good <laughs> or is they whack? Aside from 5G, there's another <laughs> major structural change happening slowly. It, it's called ORAN. Don't even ask me about the acronyms, Brandon. I know you're about to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm always confused when these things come up. Cloud it's RAN, non- Open RAN, Radio <laughs> Whatever. Look, exactly. So <laughs> what is it, this? Who knows? It, look, DISH has made it kind of front and foremost in people's minds. It's also been done in uh, overseas Rakuten. Vodafone um, has been doing something, but like there was a big kind of, it was almost like a shock moment where someone had uh, unearthed that AT&T was going to do some, or is doing in the process of doing some of these trials. So let's just cut to the chase. Like, what does it mean? It's like virtualization did to the enterprise market. You're, it's plug and play, meaning that in the old days, if I had a Samsung market in Dallas, it would be Samsung, you know, radios, front end, back end, transit. Now it's like plug and play. I'm going to take a piece of Nokia equipment, plug it into a piece of Samsung equipment. That obviously can significantly commoditize that space, driving down the costs. Um, so, if, so that is a positive. And it's also coming at a time when our government has appropriately been pushing back on the, the um, where China has... Um, has kind of pushed forward and subsidized Huawei um, and the control that they have. I mean, the government so that speeds itself, development of 5G. That should be the end result is it goes it faster lowers, it's more competitive. Uh, I mean, you can tie in 5G, but really this is changing the, the balance of power in terms of, you know, where you're buying stuff from. So you can get it from more locations like um, Dish bought radios from Fujitsu. There's a lot of small companies, American companies, and there can be some decent, government funding in the next budget bill when it comes up, you know, specifically to the development of ORAN. So who's it good for? I mean, it's obviously bad for a lot of these infrastructure vendors. It's good for some new software startups that are out there, which we'll talk more about over time. And it's certainly good for DISH. I mean, if this if this stuff accelerates, it provides a better ecosystem and enables them when they're building this new network with whatever technology partner they end up signing up with, because look, Amazon and Facebook and others have shown interest in investing in um, similar type of networks in foreign countries. It's it's I mean, just a geos geo. Everyone's rushing to invest in geo, right? What's it, yes, and what's interesting is that um, AT and T is really hush about this. Like this is positive for AT. Why shouldn't AT and T be talking about this? They can really get better vendor pricing. But I think 
part of this is that, look, it can be a very disruptive force to existing operators that have invested billions in this legacy infrastructure. Dish can go from the ground up and new, like to convert if you're an AT&T or Verizon is obviously a no lot more prior entanglements. We talk Absolutely. about how much in the media business, how much prior entanglements slow down um, like legacy businesses and you're you're saying it's the same thing here. It's the same thing here. Culturally, it's hard to do, but just investment dollars, like you put billions into something, you want to get your useful life out of it. Here's a new guy coming in at a time when there's a technology change and a, and a architecture change, which is beyond, this is not just a 5G thing. This is an architecture change that really can change the face of how networks are built globally. And we saw what a similar thing did to a different market. And it's not good for one side and really positive for someone else. So, Again, we'll be talking a lot more of this in the in the upcoming months. Um, it's a lot good, of acronyms, right? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should come up with some hashtags. You yeah. know what? I no. think we should have a glossary slide at the end where it's like all of the telco infrastructure terms and what oh, they are. Media is <laughs> getting more. We've got AVOD and SVOD and PVOD God, and yeah, FAST. And, I mean, we could That's do so lots of these for all the categories. Okay, it's let's easier to you because you've lived it your life. Yeah, but exactly. for the rest it's not of easier to anyone else. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Uh, let's go back to So we've got in- Instagram. Instagram rolls out suggested posts to keep you glued to your feed. And so now what's going on? My kids actually noticed this. My daughter comes to me yesterday and she goes, Dad, why do I see suggested posts inside of my main Instagram feed? So, you know, normally you saw this stuff inside your Explore feed. So you, when you actually were looking through your Instagram feed, all you saw was stuff from people you followed, friends, businesses, but you had to follow them. Yes, you would see a couple of ads, obviously more than a couple of ads, but you would never see something from uh, that wasn't an ad from someone you didn't follow. Now they're taking the content out of Explore and moving it into your core feed. Very much if you think about the way TikTok, TikTok, yes, you can see stuff in the For You feed that is from um, people that you follow, but most of it is actually people you don't follow. And it's just stuff they think you're going to be interested in. And so it sort of seems not only did did Instagram do reels, but now they're actually trying to take that sort of serendipity experience that you're used to in TikTok and bring it into the main Instagram feed. It's going to be interesting to see whether people like this. I mean, my kids really were upset. It depends depends how well they execute it, I think, because if they surface really good, interesting content to you that you engage with, you're going to like it. And if they don't, then you won't. And one of the, we talk about this all the time with TikTok. The magic of TikTok was that they surfaced really good content to you when you opened your feed. And and they do it it very, very quickly. And in this case, it's not very, very quickly. And very, very quickly. It's, it's, it seemed like it's sporadic. So it's trying to get me riled up. (laughs) My early call on this is I'm calling bullshit, dude. It's just not the same as TikTok. Not nearly as good. Sorry. No. That's not going to be. It enough. also didn't start that way. And, you know, I think TikTok started that way, and so you didn't have a previous perception. This you're not used to it. I mean, Look, this is I mean, but that's like if saying they, someone they competing with the Netflix. Transi- they did the transition with stories, right? Sure. I I just think stories is an easier um, transition because it was more of a format as opposed to an algorithm. And, and still building the algorithm is harder, even if you're Facebook. And, and I don't give anyone and some pass because they didn't start that way. That's like saying like, oh, let's compare HBO Max today versus where Netflix was when it started. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? If, where are we today? It's not about where you started. It's about how quickly you can get to something that's actually competitive. And 
from what you just described, I, I can't see how that's even close to being competitive to what makes TikTok so compelling. I think it's also just a way for Instagram to keep you in your feed longer. Basically, it's, you know, this is the war for time. And can they keep you yeah, in they, your main you know, feed? Facebook, does it, Facebook has been very adept at evolving their business sure. to, you know, the place where the consumer is and doing it very, very quickly. Right. I just this one might be a little bit of a heavier lift. Okay, let's go on to Amazon picking up some local streaming rights for the Seattle Sounders. You know, we keep talking about kind of the tech. Isn't companies. that the most profitable MLS team? That I actually don't know. I think, I, I think I've read that. But I'm thinking about this more of like we keep talking about, you know, is anybody going to step up for sports rights in the big tech world? You know, we've written about why Apple should buy. Uh, you know, Sunday ticket rights. We've talked about, you know, sort of what we think, you know, could happen. But Amazon has dabbled with yes. But that's the key word, Brandon, dabbled. Everyone just Dab- dabbles. No one's done anything. No one's put billions of dollars on the line. I don't know the size of this deal. It's saying, you know, um, you know, ta- all MLS rights are around 90 million. So, I mean, it, these are tiny dollars, obviously, just for local rights for one team. The question is, is are we ever going to see you know, somebody step up and actually do a big deal. And I thought what was interesting in this article is it's talking about how MLS has all of their rights deals, local and national, all end in 2022. And so they're setting it up for, could somebody new, you know, could an Amazon, could somebody step in? And obviously the right. rights fees on, on MLS are a lot lower do, than they are on and NFL. Do, and do local and national in one place. Correct. That's could, what has could, me could that ha- That's That's what's interesting about this, I think. Like imagine if Amazon becomes the home of all things MLS starting in 2023, like that would be a big deal. And you really can't do that in the NFL, just given the way the rights are sliced and the NFL's preference for broadcast, you can't do that. Here's a case where you could control the entire sport on digital. Well, I mean, the, the difference between the NFL and MLS also is there's no local rights for the NFL, right? It's just a national sport. Well, whereas NBA and NHL, you have the RSN situation and MLS too. So like the Red Bulls, that's like the New York or New Jersey Red Bulls here. They're on MSG. I don't know if anyone watches it, but. But all of those deals expire in 22 and we'll see. And I just thought it was interesting that we could see that type of, you know, we keep waiting for that kind of sports Jenga block to get pulled in terms of somebody making a pretty meaningful move. All of these are small and we'll see whether as we move forward over the next year, whether we see that bigger move actually start to happen. Uh, last, uh, last tweet of the week is Apple Music launches new radio stations for hits and country. Cool. So, what year you know, is this? <laughs> well, you know, Beats or Apple Music, I should say. Apple Music launched uh, in 2015. And, you know, Beats One kind of was one of the original founding products where it was essentially a radio station. And we had been writing back then about how we thought Beats One was going to expand into, you know, 10 to 20 other radio stations and sort of be sort of a, a, a foundational building block of Apple Music. And five years later, nothing happened. And so now over five years later, they're finally launching more radio stations. It's just sort of surprising. And I think just speaks to just 
how slow the innovation has been of the Apple Music product and why Spotify has, you know, essentially left Apple Music in its dust over the course of the last few years. It's just there's just not a lot of innovation. I think Apple's just moved on to more important products than music. Or is that what it feels like? Or what they perceive to be more important. I think, you know, they wanted to make their mark in music because of iTunes and that being so integral to their overall ecosystem. But now it seems like videos more important. And yeah, it seems like Spotify is kind of running away. Here's the opportunity that we missed. We, we had this perfect multimedia product. We could have queued up the Phil Schiller quote when he launched the oh. Mac Pro. When he's like, he gets this, he puts this like basically a computer that looks like a coffee can up there. Can't innovate my ass. <laughs> oh, I remember, I remember that, that, that Mac Pro. This is a classic Meanwhile, Apple thing where they announce something like, are you kidding me? It's yeah, it's like, who radio. gives a shit? And then the stock goes up 5%. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, stock right. could be 500 by the end of the day. I don't even well, I mean, understand. Like, that's I fair. don't that's understand a, what's going on, by the boy, way. But you, you guys <laughs> raise a good point. Whether or not Apple innovates on Apple Music is wholly irrelevant, right? Like, no one's buying the stock or nobody cares well, about whether they innovate on Apple Music. Rich no, they just got to do stock splits that's what matters dude well stock splits are actually bad for the now <laughs> waiting but that's a different story but like uh it actually does matter i mean just because the stock goes up every day um <laughs> stock, stocks go up every day um things actually do matter and like okay you've got a lot of people buying ipads and laptops right now because we're all all our kids are fucking stuck at home uh, for this school year and you've got the iPhone kind of push in China. Let's see if our trade war with China has an impact there. You've got an upgrade cycle with 5G. Okay, all of that stuff is going to come and process through. And then we're going to go back to, so what has Apple done in terms of generating a services business? Because let's not forget, that business has decelerated. So if, if this is part of the plan to get a services business to sustain mid-teens growth, I'm not sure that's a great plan. And if your services business now decelerates to 9% and when everyone had, when all of the hype of the 5G. I'll, t- I'll tell you else, one thing. The big, the biggest component to the services business is, I mean, the biggest question is Tim Sweeney. All of this other stuff is is bullshit relative to the app store fee, right? I don't think it's bull enough. No, I don't think it's bullshit. There's there's many components to services, including cloud, right? Yeah. Including search. Yeah, there's they a just lot jacked of comp- me for extra cloud storage. Right, and the app week. store is not the primary driver of of the services business. It just isn't. There's a lot of things in there. So so yeah. well, and look, this and, and week the, they just and look, it, it's decelerating. It is the decelerating. Go, if the fee is cut in half, that's right. gonna, but, you know that's going to be but, a big but look problem. on the flip side. But on the flip side, I, I will know, say what I Apple did. What way. Apple did this week with with Apple TV Plus is actually more interesting. You know, so they announced that they're bundling in Showtime and CBS All Access for only yep. nine ninety nine. Two services that right now cost twenty one dollars, but you have to be an Apple TV Plus subscriber. And to me, it just sort of shows that they're actually doing more innovation, quote unquote around Apple TV Merch. Plus around, than they are around, around merchandising music. Apple TV Plus. Uh, every time Apple reports, I tweet out how much R&D has continued to outpace revenue. And there's always this, oh, we have all these different things, all these, and everything that you're saying is right. And they hired those guys that you knew from Sony, and we're always expecting this. All I'm saying is like, you throw something out there, we're, we're doing radio, like you're doing, you're spending all of this in R&D, you're hiring all these people, everyone's excited. Where's the deliverable? Where's the deliverable? Because in terms of the numbers, services, revenue is decelerating. 
okay, so, and if, and if none of these deliverables happen in terms of all these people that they've hired and they can't get, um, you know, Apple TV plus to generate revenue, or if the app store has some, even if they jack rates on the app store to 40%, if that services revenue decelerates to 10%, when all the equipment stuff has kind of processed through this 5g and this COVID bubble, then what, what's the story? That's the risk. Do we have something to end on a light? I was going to say, kind of if, if, the, if the E <laughs> matters hey, Brent, anymore. Brandon, let's just, let's, just end on, let's just end on what's okay. Aspen like right now. Um, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. I don't want to come home wherever I live. I don't really know where I live anymore. We're, we're <laughs> but, all hermits now. We did give up an announcement. We have a change of address coming for Lightshed as we have finally, after not being there for five months and paying for our WeWork, we've finally decided to abandon it. And so our address will probably be like a P.O. box, I guess, for a little New bit. address look, coming. Look for a good Whenever office out Back to an office. That'd be kind of cool having a Colorado address. Dude. Brandon, you can work I, out of Colorado. I'm not the issue right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's episode 18, everyone. Have a great weekend. Okay, bye, guys.